so often throughout the course of history, patriots rise up at a time of need for truth and freedom. These people are called disciples of liberty for their undying love of freedom. The call has been sounded. Will you answer that call or sit back and let freedom die away? Unifying patriots everywhere against the evil trying to destroy America's freedom. You're listening to the Disciples of Liberty radio show on the America Out Loud Network. Now here's your host, Tim Alders. All right, folks, welcome back to the revolution. Hope you're having a fantastic day today. Whatever you are doing, I hope it is helping you in the cause of liberty. Today, we have an amazing guest, but we have to ask ourselves, was COVID politicized? Are we basing our world on fear? Dr. Andy Lazarus, who's been on the front line treating patients, who has a new book out, The Geriatrics Vengeance Club, in the era of COVID. We welcome you to the show, Dr. Andy. Great being here. Thank you. You know, I, I pose this question all the time. Do you believe COVID would have been such a big deal if it wouldn't have happened in the most vitriol presidential election of our times? Well, well, the short answer is no. Um, we, we had a flu epidemic in 2017, which killed about 80,000 Americans, killed a lot of kids, um, killed two and a half million people worldwide. I'm sure no one listening has heard about that because CNN decided not to put it on. And that's just the way it is. This, this is, We get a lot of, um, and this was bad, but we get a lot of epidemics, pandemics, illnesses that nobody seems to care about. But this one was very well politicized. And unfortunately, the politicization just took on a life of its own. So there was no stopping it. It was like a runaway train at a certain point. You know, I'm I'm not one of those people that uh, people can say are doubters. I know COVID exists. I just choose to live my life not in fear. You know, there's lots of things that can kill me out there. I could die in a plane crash. I can get hit by a car. I can have a heart attack. Heck, there are so many things that can kill you, and there's going to be more things. Is this going to be the status quo for how we handle new viruses? If this is going to be the status quo, then you might as well just go inside, lock your door, and never leave. Because as soon as you walk out the door, you're going to be in trouble, right? I mean, it's they're, they're, like you say, more people die of smoking every year than of this. Um, obesity is pretty darn close. Those are personal choices that people make. And frankly, this too should have been a personal choice. We, we I, one, of the, one of the people I listen to a lot, a, name, a guy named Vinny Prasad, who's a, a much more conventional uh, established scientist than I am, um, said it's the job of the public health department to empower and educate, not to imprison. And that is what was missing here. They literally locked us up um, without any evidence that it was going to help anyone, with put masks on our face without any evidence it was going to help anyone, and took away our ability to make our own decisions. And if that is going to be the norm, then you better watch what you eat. You better watch the way you cross the street. You better watch how you drive, because if people are going to look at every possible thing that can go wrong, then we're basically going to be in a prison the rest of our lives. 
You know, it's really funny because I had my pituitary gland accidentally removed during a surgery, so I really have no hormones. And so I have a compromised immune system. I've had some other surgeries, and I hate wearing a mask. My doctors said, you, you know, you really shouldn't wear a mask. It bothers you. But I have never been treated so poorly in my life than when people see me out without a mask. And here, here, we, have, and here we have people... And, and full disclosure, I'm a liberal, um, but we have people who believe that mask use is scientific. Now, I've written about this. Um, my book, The Geriatrics Vengeance Club, is a fiction book that tells the story of about a, a doctor who gets destroyed because he dares open his mouth um, and how his patients save his life. And I have lots of songs about it in this book that I wrote. One is called Just Wear Masks. And even though it's a song, it kind of tells the truth which is even before this epidemic hit us, we knew masks don't work. They don't work for influenza. Influenza spread exactly the same way as COVID. As this, as this pandemic went forward, we had more studies that show they don't work. Then we had studies showing they actually cause harm, especially to kids and older people. And I work with older people. And believe me, I saw that harm every day. I just wrote a blog about it where I was a little angry. Um, but yes, here we are dealing with a scientific fact that masks don't work and yet if you if you don't wear them you're going to be slammed they're going to be wear them outside i've seen people in cars wearing them uh people all i i just saw a woman wearing them with her two kids on the swing she was sitting alone in the woods all three of them were wearing a mask what what could they be thinking we should be we should be saying something to them because it's insane i almost went up to this woman and tried to sell her something because clearly she's going to buy anything that anyone tells her is true. But, that, but yeah, it, it's been horrible. Mask, you know, the, I call it mask zealots um, have taken over the social media, have taken over CNN and, and other liberal um, news media that I used to listen to. And, you know, my one liberal friend out there in the media, he's not my friend, but the guy I follow is a guy named Bill Maher. And he's, he's as fed up as I am. Um, that this is what liberalism has become, uh, using myth and fear to try to scare people and take away their rights. I'd never imagined this could happen in this country. You know, Dr. Andy Lazarus is our guest today. Um, Dr. Andy, are you okay with me calling you Dr. Andy? Oh, yeah, or just Andy's fine. Okay, just so you know, I have a lot of friends that are liberals. It, it's really funny because I get called a racist all the time, and people don't know me, know my background, know where I came from. Uh, so I hate those labels on people. I think people should be able to have adult discussions. And another one of the adult discussions is vaccines. Now, I have talked to my doctors. My doctors don't recommend I get the vaccine right now. I'm not an anti-vaccine person. But to me, this vaccine's not really proven. But then we have states like Utah, who has been opposed to lotteries to help our education system, now considering offering people a chance to win money if you go get the vaccine. I mean, I'm just curious, coming from the liberal perspective, what happened to your body, your choice? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Well, isn't that liberal? I mean, to me, that is a liberal way to look at things. And also as liberals, and I don't like labels either, but this is how I've been defined. Um, As liberals, we should be extremely concerned about a government taking away our freedoms and trying to push us to do things that aren't proven. Uh, This is what I say about vaccines. Um, Most people in this country, the vast majority, are very low risk of dying of COVID. That's essentially most people under the age of 70 have less of a chance of dying of COVID than things they face every day, um, and especially kids. 
And then we have a vaccine that we don't know what the heck it's going to do to us in two or three years, right? It looks pretty good short term, but why would you take a vaccine unless you were at high risk? Why, why would you risk that? Why would you give it to kids for God's sake? I mean, that that's scary to me that kids are getting a vaccine where we don't know what it's going to do in five years and where the risk of a kid dying of COVID is similar to the risk of a kid dying if they're in the backseat of a car. So I, it, I, I agree with you. This is, this should be a choice. There's, really too much coercion here and we we need to give people the facts and let them make their own decisions that's what we should be doing as a health community you know i'm i'm a factual person like you said and i looked at the fort dixon um swine flu vaccine they did in 1976 and i look at what happened in the long-term effects that had on people and there is no studies of the long term you know maybe in two years i'll reconsider and say okay maybe i'll i'll risk this and get the vaccine now but i've never had the flu vaccine and i've never had the flu you know i i think we've learned some some positive things from covid we've learned to social distance a little better to wash our hands and be more um, aware of our surroundings and being you know just just more clean but i can't believe they want to people are considering and businesses considering uh vaccine passports i need to find a doctor and we need to uh counterfeit vaccine passports and we'll make a fortune you know i i thought about doing i i thought about giving fake vaccines when it when it first came out i i would just pretend to fill up the vaccine but of course uh i we don't get to give vaccines and i wouldn't do that but i would have liked to the the yes um you're, you're more uh, forgiving than I am because even hand-washing doesn't help with COVID. It's not a surface virus. And even though it's good for a lot of things, that our overuse of all this antibacterial soap is probably killing our native bacteria in our bodies and making us prone to a whole bunch of other stuff. So overdoing anything is, is not very good. What COVID has taught us more than anything is how fear can be a weapon. And, and if you scare people enough and you repeat it on the media enough, you have um, running tolls of death in cases, which we could do with anything. We could do with heart disease. Um, people get, get glued to that and will do anything you say. Um, and, and unfortunately, COVID has taught us the power um, uh, of uh, you know factions of people to control everyone else. And also the inability of the healthcare system to stand up to what is clearly uh, fraudulent information and misinformation and mythical cures. You know, we, we were the fact that we are pushing older people in uh, assisted living in nursing homes to be stuck in their room to wear masks when none of that's worked. It's penetrated those environments anyway. What I'm seeing in my day to day life, I saw it today, is worsening dementia, worsening weakness, people falling. I've had more deaths this year from non from people in nursing homes and assisted livings than ever before in my career and very fewer from COVID. They were from this quarantine. You know, two things. My wife is a home health nurse and she deals with a lot of these facilities and she's seen such outrageous things that, that we really can't discuss because of HIPAA, although they want me to have a, a vaccine passport, you know, violating my <laughs> HIPAA. Yet, and my parents, my parents um, are not alive. If they would have been alive today, they would have shaken their heads because they were both from Holland. They immigrated here and they were both in German work camps, concentration camps. And I know my parents would have looked at me today and said, man, all these, you know, people out there that are yelling at people for masks and you have to get this vaccine. They're no different than the Dutch citizens or the Swedish citizens or, or the people that the Germans took over 
that sold out their neighbor, friends, and family to be in the good graces of the Germans. And, and I, I do, in my book, I talk a lot about that. You know, you're not allowed to, but I do. Um, I use the example of Albert Einstein, who, you know, was a guy who believed that science had to be something that was real and not mythical and who was scared to death whenever um, these kind of things happened because he saw it, he smelled it. It was the same as Nazi Germany. He saw it during the Cold War um, when people were rooting other people out and he would have not been wearing a mask and he would have been furious right now because you're right. This is no different when when you have fear and when you have simple solution to that fear, which is not true, but which convince people are true, they become zealots. And, and that is extremely dangerous. We've seen it throughout history. We saw it when we imprisoned Japanese Americans in World War II. Again, the liberals did that. Um, but this, this, uh, this idea of stoking up fear and then taking away our liberties is the most dangerous thing, I think. And the, the fact that it was perpetrated by the medical establishment as a doctor is not surprising to me. Uh, because the amount of mythical cures that our medical establishment has has convinced us work uh, is beyond description. But um, the fact that even when the studies came out to show none of this works and it's caused harm, they didn't back off. They're still not backing off. Is really scary. Uh, this, you know, the CDC's about face um, a couple of days ago on masks. Uh, to me, they shouldn't be let off the hook. I mean, they they knew about this a year ago. That, that this wasn't going to work. And they used it as a simple solution um, to, to help people. So help people believe they were being helped because they had nothing else to offer and they had already stoked up so much fear, but yeah, it, it, it's frightening. It, it, it does remind uh, me of everything I read about fascist regime. In fact, in my book, I call it fascism after the great Anthony Fauci, um, because I think that he has been the main perpetrator uh, of the lies and the fear um, and not caring about the implications of everything he is recommending. He could care less about all the people dying in nursing homes from all these things he's recommending. If it stops one COVID particle from moving from one person to the next, he doesn't care how many people die and suffer for it. So that's what I call fascism in my book. You know, so I'm, I'm a Trump guy. I, I supported President Trump. You're on the other side. You probably support supported the other guy. Let's take that aside. But let's look at how the media and the left treated President Trump. I'm a constitutionalist also. And I looked at how governors should be in charge of their own states, you know, mayors, communities, the federal government shouldn't make a mandate to shut businesses down, shouldn't make a mandate to wear a mask. Yet they were so mad about President Trump mishandling and not becoming a dictator during COVID. And I just find it interesting how everything was blamed on uh, the former President Trump, yet it's still being blamed on the former President Trump. Nobody's ever mentioned that people are still dying. Nobody's mentioned the people who have died of heart disease or lung cancer. I mean, my wife does hospice and people die of other things. They've been dying forever and they get listed as COVID. So there's a lot of missteps and a lot of misinformation out there that they're using to indoctrinate people into being this mask, you know, um, crazy person. Yeah, mask Nazi, mask zealot, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, two things. One is um, I've had people whose families insisted I change their death certificate. They died of something else. They may have had COVID four or five months ago, and they wanted it to be COVID. And you know, the reason is they get um, 
they get benefits if people die of COVID. Hospitals get benefits if people die of COVID. So yeah, a lot of these people are dying of other things than COVID, and it's listed as COVID. And and yeah, President Trump. Well, you know, I I do disagree with him on many things, but he didn't do anything wrong with COVID. In fact, his uh, the guy he had Scott Atlas toward the end of his presidency is the only guy who got everything right from the beginning about COVID, and he was listening to Anthony Fauci. Uh, Trump, you know, what, what is he going to do? Fauci was the guy who was just all over the map and Fauci was, became the hero and Trump became the enemy, which shocked the heck out of me. Cause really president Trump, I remember him saying a couple things. He said, you know, if people die of car accidents, it doesn't mean we close down the roads. I mean, that makes sense to me, right? We don't shut down society because people have a virus. We figure out how to keep society going and to mitigate the virus as much as possible, which is what we do with everything, every possible medical condition. We don't shut things down. We certainly don't shut down schools. President Trump was so far more reasonable than a lot than anyone on CNN who never asked Anthony Fauci a question. When Fauci showed up, they said, oh, great, Anthony Fauci, please tell us you know, how to do this. If President Trump was on, everything he said was a lie, according to them. And their fact checkers went after Trump, but never Fauci. So you're right. This was so politicized. Um, look, looking back in my book, I have these two liberals talk and they say, you know, the only reason right now we don't have martial law in this country is because President Trump is president. He said if Hillary Clinton were president, there's no question we'd have martial law in this country right now because she would have just shut everything down and, get, and taken away people's rights, which Believe it or not, in our Constitution, she has a right to do. And he would he had the same right, and he didn't do it. He didn't call in the National Guard. He didn't shut people down. Thank God he was there, if you ask me. I, I hate to say it as a liberal, but I, I do think he handled this much better than any liberal would have. Certainly than any liberal governor did. My God. You know, one of the funniest uh, segments I like, I like watching those people who go out and they'll question people at universities and they'll give the quotes that like former President Trump did. And they say, well, Biden just did this or Biden just said this. And then these liberal students who were so anti-Trump would say, well, that's an amazing thing. That's 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 great. I'm, I'm so glad they did this. And then when they find out it was Trump and they were vilifying him, they're like, oh, really? You know, it's just we live in a society where the media educates and they, they're not supposed to. They don't even report facts anymore. They they educate based on their philosophical standpoint and that goes to fox news too and to other people they don't base things on facts anymore but i love those segments because people take such so many things out of context and and we've done this with covid the whole time we have become enemies i have never seen america so divided over any topic than we are today over covid yeah, it, we are divided over it, and yet we don't have to be. Like you say, there there is a truth in there, and it and it's actually um, that COVID is much more lethal to older, frail people. Um, those people are also uh, damaged by quarantines and masks. Those are all facts, um, and so we could have done a better job taking care of them. Let the kids go to school because the damage we've done to kids has been irreparable, frankly. Um, and we could have let businesses and society stay open and take some precautions. It, it was really simple. And, and to be honest with you, that's kind of what President Trump was saying from the beginning. And when they went after him, I, when someone on CNN called Scott Atlas a mass murderer, 
for suggesting we open up society. That's the kind of vitriol that spilled out and things that were on Facebook, um, just um, just awful stuff and, and, you know, calling people murderers. So, yeah, this is this is not how a virus should be handled. Um, this is not how anything should be handled. This has become a, a disaster in terms of the medical system because of the politicization of it. And, and you know, I just don't, I'm really amazed that more people did not speak up um, in the more moderate zone of the world and say, look, we got to stop all this fighting. We got to just take care of this. We, we, we know what works and what doesn't. Let's let's go with that. and Let's open up society. We didn't do that. Um, and we were suffering for it. You know, part of the problem about speaking up is like when I speak up or I have a conversation with people, they automatically attack me. Well, you're a racist. You don't care about people. You have no compassion. And I just say, you know, you believe what you want to believe. I'm just trying to give you, you know, certain facts here about life and, and where we're at and, and why there's so much hatred in the world and we need to get past this. And, and I'm just so curious to why more doctors didn't come out. I mean, I, I get it. They have to fall in line or they can't practice at this hospital or that hospital and uh, they get blacklisted. But honestly, there's doing what's right and there's doing what protects your job, in my opinion. And so many of these people, I believe, went against. I have a, I have a medical profession that told me he had a fake getting the shot. He told the person, just mark down that I got the shot because the rest of my staff insists on getting the shot. They're all paranoid. But he was terrified about the shot. Just tell people that you're terrified about the shot. And you're not getting it. Why do we have to deceive people? Yeah, the, the medical profession has is, is been doing this for a long time. Um, uh, half of what they do doesn't work, and they say it does. But look, there, there is um, something called the Great Barrington uh, Convention, Great Barrington Declaration, which was signed by over 20,000 very prominent doctors that said that what we're doing is wrong. So, so you don't, we'll never find any of these doctors on CNN or MSNBC um, because they're not, those guys are handpitched by Anthony Fauci, but there are doctors around the world who are fighting against this and, and their voices are, are muffled. Um, but, but there are, I'm not, I'm not alone in fighting what, what I believe is a policy that's more destructive than the virus. Um, and, and that's what this great Barrington uh, declaration says too. We should have had a much more narrow quarantine focused on the vulnerable and not shut society down because the, the damage from doing that is far worse than the virus could ever have been. And, the, and those are doctors. So th- thankfully, there are some most doctors, believe it or not, just fall in line. That's what they're taught to do. They're taught to be compliant little creatures, uh, follow the rules, follow the protocols. They get more information from, from The New York Times than they get from actually looking at studies. Um, I, I don't want to apologize for my profession, but I, I've been fighting against this for a long time on many levels. I want to ask you uh, one more question. Uh, Dr. Andy Lazarus is the guest today. He is here. He is liberal. Um, and we're having a great conversation, which is shocking to me that, uh, somebody who's supposedly one of the most conservative people in the nation can have a conversation without calling each other names. He's also the author of the book, uh, The Geriatrics Vengeance Club in the Era of COVID. I can't wait till the studies come out on what this did for depression for youth and what this is doing to the young people's immune system because they're not out rolling in the dirt. They're not getting their body used to uh, things. We're basically saying live in a bubble. So I can't wait till those studies come out that show just how many missteps we actually took. 
Well, well, mark my words, and I'm sure you won't disagree with me, but somehow they'll blame all that on COVID. You know, they're not going to say they did anything wrong. They're not, they're not keeping track of depression, suicides right now um, in the CDC for obvious reasons. Other countries have been, and it's a disaster. But you are absolutely right. If the studies are accurate, and we learn how many people died in nursing homes and assisted livings, how many kids had uh, depression, even increased suicides, drug abuse, more infections. Um, oh, my God, the, 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 the hammer will drop quickly. And that's why I, I worry that they won't be honest, because they did everything wrong. And, we know, and the press allowed them to do that. The governors fell right into line. Um, and a lot of people are going to be culpable if the truth comes out. I hope it does. I'm, I'm really hopeful that it will, but I don't know. You know, this, this is a scary thing, truth. I, you know, if we base everything just on truth and facts and we don't start attacking people and we look at what's going on, I think we'd end hatred. You know, this reparations thing, all these things they're trying to do, they're trying to victimize everybody out there and make everybody a victim. But it was interesting because me and my wife was having a conversation. Like I said, she's in the, the health profession. And, and we were talking about this. If you can tell people that you have to get a vaccine, you have to do this, what about you can't eat at McDonald's anymore? What about you can't produce food with sugars in it because obesity is one of the biggest, you know, negative effects on people in society all the time what is it you have to get out and get an hour of exercise every day everybody needs to walk at 6 p.m i mean where does the craziness stop about what we mandate people to do yeah i I had that in my book i say you know the next thing you know we're gonna have a chip in in our body and it's gonna uh, define what we have to eat how we have to exercise um how much socialization we have you know yes this is a nanny state beyond nanny states People are allowed to make their own choices. We all live one life and we're supposed to be given information. Um, We're supposed to be able to give actual truthful information, which doesn't always happen, and then make our own decisions. And yeah, this this has been a disaster in terms of health. Um, We we can't do this. We can't mandate people to do things. We tried that when we we banned alcohol and and that, that backfired. It always does when we do this kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, this this if this is a precedent, we're all in big trouble. If this becomes a, a warning sign, thank God. I, I agree with you, Dr. Andy, La- Dr. Andy Lazarus is my guest today. I appreciate you coming on. Will you please send me your uh, Twitter account so I can get you the marketing for this and everything? And thank you so much for being out there and having adult conversations with a conservative. <laughs> thank you for talking to a liberal. I think we agree on a lot more than we realize. A- anytime you want to come on, thank you. I am going to uh, uh, tell people, see, these are the type of conversations we need to have in society today. We need to start uh, having adult conversations. We need to treat people with respect because people have important things to do and say, and we can benefit each other if we just listen to each other's ideas. That's what America was founded on. Uh, once again, you're on the America Out Loud Network. This is where discussions like this happen. We will interview liberals with respect. We'll interview conservatives with respect. I wish everybody treated everybody with respect because there's facts that need to get out there in life, folks. And I appreciate that uh, Dr. Andy Lazarus came out today and, and did this show with me. Get his book, the, the Geriatrics Vengeance Club in the Era of COVID. Remember my book, um, Origins of Liberty is out there. You can get it at Amazon and and Barnes and Noble and eBay, and you can get it in Kindle version. 
But thank you. Let's stand up. Let's fight for liberty. Let's support the uh, advertisers you can hear during this break. And uh, make sure you support the host. Share this on your social media, on Twitter, Telegram, Instagram, uh, Facebook, if they'll let you. And we'll see you on the other side. Is a record player the best way to listen to music? Of course not. So why are you still taking vitamins that haven't been upgraded since the 1930s? Even if your vitamins aren't hard to swallow, it's time to upgrade to Healthy Cells pill-free, patent-pending microgel supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. They taste great, convenient on the go, and they're more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. It was a vision that gave birth to a unique multimedia platform that would combine classic talk radio, great writers, and memorable podcasts and videos. AmericaOutloud.com is a conservative leader in a field that is predominantly run by far-left progressive globalists. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, people, welcome back. Hope you're having a fantastic day today. We are here. We are live. We are the Disciples of Liberty. So welcome back to the revolution. Joining me for this second part of the show is my good friend, the Brian Hyde. Brian, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, You know... I have these thoughts that run through my head. You know this because I call you quite often just with pondering weird things that run through my head. I I think your brain works a little bit like mine. You think of things and it's like, why? So I just want to ask you questions. I'll answer them too. But after you, I want your honest opinion. Okay. If we look at today, we look at where we're at today. Could anybody in the world have ever predicted the situation we're in today? Anybody who studied history could because they would recognize many of the same mistakes being made today that previous civilizations and leadership in previous civilizations has made. You know, I say the founding fathers. The founding fathers predicted Definitely. almost every situation, especially the anti-federalists like George Sherman and, or sorry, Roger Sherman and uh, Patrick Henry. They said, you know, if we let government get too much power, too much centralization in Washington, D.C., we'd be in trouble. And we're in trouble today. We, there's so much hatred. There's so much vitriol because we're allowing the media to dictate. Everything that the founders warned us about is happening. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy to me. Read the Constitution, folks. 
And well, what I, and they they go, believed in something that they called auxiliary precautions, which was limits on government's power so that people wouldn't be tempted to make these same mistakes. They saw clearly, look, others have, have done this. This is what tempted them. This is how we're going to check it and balance it and prevent it from being exploited. But they still got around it. Dang it. Next question. Saddam Hussein, Gaddafi, Osama bin Laden, were these just um, totally bad guys in their nation, total terrorists, born terrorists, or were they useful idiots to the American government and the shadow government to utilize and keep America in a a perpetual war to facilitate and lock down and control Americans? Oh, I think they definitely played the role of they were our guy when it was time and when it wasn't, suddenly they were the worst thing in the world, literally Hitler, and had to be stopped. So, you yeah, know, I find it interesting. We sold them weapons. We gave them, you know, stinger missiles. We gave them anti-tank missiles. We gave them machine guns, grenades, all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden, one day, they're the bad guy. And our weapons are being used on our young men and women. And nobody puts two and two together and say, why are we in these wars? I mean, one of the stupidest things you could ever do is if you control the best weapons in the world is to sell them to potential enemies. I, I mean, I can see selling food to people or, or products, but why sell weapons when you're the most advanced nation in the world? Well, it's job security, right? For the, for, uh, for the, for the, for the uh, manufacturers. Yeah, for the well. uh, military-industrial complex, which we've both done shows on that before. Are you, are you familiar with Jacob Hornberger? You've yes, I am. Name, right? But okay. introduce the, the audience to him right now, because okay, so you just asked me a question they need to know. He's the president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, FFF.org. And he has a theory that I tend to agree with, which is that the, the American public made a deal with the devil after World War II. All the nasty stuff that the Nazis were doing, that the, the Japanese imperial forces were doing, that the Russians were doing, all that ugly stuff, we were told, required a very secretive intelligence community and, you know, connected to the military. But there's things they'd have to do in the dark. We'd be better off not knowing. We'd sleep better at night if we didn't know. And Eisenhower warned about it. Remember his talk about the military-industrial complex? This is the kind of thing he was warning about. Kennedy but warned he, about it just before he was killed? What a coincidence, right? <laughs> I mean, but, the, but speech, the, the speech Kennedy gave where he talked about a shadow government and he's trying to dismantle it was just days before he was gunned down. Yeah, the, the bottom line is the American public took this and it has been used to justify interventionism in things that have nothing to do with American interests, with the American average American's freedom or their inalienable rights. I don't know. It's, it's a bad deal. I'm not sure how we get out of it, but at some point it's got to end. You know, so uh, we, we've agreed on both these topics. I knew we were. When I, I expand this out to others, we might get different opinions from people. Uh, but I'm just curious. Um, this mask mandate. And I talked to Dr. Andy Lazarus. He's a liberal uh, doctor who's opposed and said Trump did everything right, just so you know. But uh, he believes firmly, along with 20,000 other medical profession people who signed that letter out there, that uh, masks and everything that's going on with COVID is a way for our government to control the citizens. I want your thought on on this. He also believed that COVID wasn't um, a serious, you know, the flu was, we had a severe outbreak of flu. And, and if it wasn't uh, the election of uh, President Trump, that this never would have blown up like it did. But I still believe it would have, because this is, in my opinion, a system of control. What's it to you? 
I, I'm grateful, first of all, that you talk to you know, someone from a liberal point of view to, to see where they're coming from. Um, this is not a time we can afford to live in an echo chamber. Now, I have not been in favor of masks from the beginning, um, and, and it's primarily because of the coercive nature of how they were implemented. And if, if I felt it was in my interest to wear a mask, I want to tell you, I would do it. But it would be because I could look around me and I could see, oh, my goodness, the hospitals have never been fuller. There's bodies stacking up. You know, I would recognize that's a threat. I should wear a mask if I go out at all. Maybe I won't even go out. But the bottom line is I would take responsibility for making those decisions. So when, when they came along with the different mask mandates, um, my spidey sense, if you will, my, my love of liberty was saying there is more to this than just a public health aspect. And it's exactly like you were describing. I, I believe this is a test to see how far can the people be pushed under the panic of, hey, we don't know what's happening. Millions may die because there were people saying that. And let's see how far we can push them. How far will they submit? And Tim, I, as a society, I think we flunked that test hard based on what I see around me right now with the number of people who, even when it's okay to take off the masks, won't. You know, I also not only think that it's a test to see how far the people will submit, I think it was just the next stand, uh, step in a planned takeover of America. Uh, the media was uh, complicit with this. Every, everybody jumped on board with how to control Americans. Now, like you, I believe in property rights, unlike most politicians in most cities and towns. Uh, so I tried to respect businesses that required masks. Everyone did because of their licenses were threatened. But I also shake my head at why are they doing it? Is this truly the owner's sentiments? You know, and I was so excited. I finally got to go see a play at the local theater here in Utah without a mask. I could breathe, but they haven't opened up their concession stands yet, and they still get freaked out if you bring your own food in. Uh, They're losing money. They're losing opportunity. Uh, But we see so much of this going on, and what are we going to do? How are we going to uh, get people in America to uh, realize that this is just all a planned um, takeover of our system? I was talking with a friend last night. He's, uh, He's currently working in Albuquerque. So he has a lot of time away from his family, a lot of time to think. And last night he said something to me that has just really hammered itself into my brain. And he said, there are very few people anymore who will actually look at what's going on around them and look into it to where they can have their own opinion. They can own their worldview. Too many people instead are looking for someone to tell them, Tim, what does it mean? I'm going to sit here at your feet and you just tell me, what does it all mean? As opposed to, you know, being willing to dig in and you know ask questions for themselves, you know. Um, thinking clearly and independently, I think, is the, the highest priority for a citizen in times of crisis. And I don't see a lot of people thinking clearly and independently. I, I find this interesting, just so people know, because my next, next comment has to do with where we're from. Me and Brian are both living in the state of Utah currently. He's moving uh, somewhere else. I won't tell you where that's at. He might want to be trying to get off the An grid undisclosed and, location. and hide from law enforcement. <laughs> I don't know uh, what the deal is, but we, we're only miles apart and we're doing this via Zoom. So it's really funny because I can see him. But uh, my next question is the state of Utah is jumping on board with this lottery thought process of, okay, too many people in Utah are saying no to the vaccine. So let's um, try to entice them to jump on board with the vaccine and offer a monetary prize and make this a lottery. Although the state of Utah doesn't allow a lottery for anything else. So I I find it extremely interesting that, that they would violate their own constitution to do this lottery. Because honestly... 
the legal argument then becomes, hey, I have a business. I want more people to come look at my house. So everybody who comes and looks at my house and pays this dollar amount, I'll enter them into a lottery and one person is going to win a free lot or a free house. It, it's like stretching the bounds. But, but why, if this is such a good idea, do they have to resort to blackmailing people? And, and what's going through our governor's um, mind, the communist cocks out there? Okay, so here's the optimist in me. First of all, I'm going to look for the silver lining. At least they're not trying to create a lot of force people to get their vaccination. Because, I mean, that's already, that's people who are labeled as anti-vax often are just like, no, I don't want to be forced. That's the key. Don't force me to do something. That's the conversation we need to have. So at least they're not forcing. However, you use the word enticing. And let me ask you this. Wouldn't it be just as wrong to entice somebody to do something that was contrary to their moral code as it would be to force them to do what you think is right to me it's the exact same statement yeah. uh you know it's like okay but because that's that's just the next step in the step of control okay if we can't entice enough people and enough people don't jump on board then we're going to have to go to the force it's you know if, if people yeah. don't willingly turn in their guns at the buyback then we have to make the guns mandatory buyback it's just the next step in a crazy world we live in boy that push for control is really ramped up and and i'm i'm watching with great interest to see what happens at the city county and maybe at the state levels you know to to stand up against federal overreach i think the the you know the democrats in in the federal government have made very clear their plan is to get control of everybody get control of the guns outlaw whoever is disagreeing with them as domestic terrorists and that's pretty much, you know, that's an open permit to take out as many people as, as you want who are just dissenting voices. My next comment is going to be for the uh, daughter of McCain in Arizona, the Mitt Romney of, U- of Utah, the Lincoln Project out there. Why is it, and I, I, I ponder these to myself because I recognize um, liars. I recognize people who are dishonest and, and say they have a love for the Constitution when they really don't. Why is it so many mainstream Republicans uh, throughout the country uh, buy this act that now some of these people are saying that we have to stop Biden from uh, stacking the Supreme Court? When President Trump was warning people and asking in the debates, will you stack the Supreme Court? And he refused to answer. He's like, this is what we're jeopardizing. And now these people want to look like the heroes saying, we got to step up and stop them. Where they're only in the position to do this because of your support, your vote. Because I know uh, Senator Mitt Romney from Utah voted for Biden. And now he's criticizing everything Biden's doing. It's just so hypocritical and just it just makes him such a dishonest person in my eyes. But why is it that 80% of the Republicans in the world still believe these people are saints? I'm going to surprise you with this because I don't think anybody else has ever thought this before, but politics is sleazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Pete the pandering pig, when you saw it, you laughed. <laughs> but but it, it affects the Republicans just like it affects the Democrats. At some, po- at some point, people who have been a part of the system long enough, it's about power. You know, the money and stuff follows, but the power is what they really want. And, you know, the open, oh, look at this, they're sparring in public. The speaker says this and, you know, the minority leader says that. But behind doors, you know, behind closed doors, they, they're very chummy. They're part of a system. They've got a great meal ticket. I mean, the, nothing's too fine for them, you know, when the taxpayer's funding it. 
Look at all the money they're doling out now to the special interest in the name of, oh, this is for stimulus or this is to, to build up infrastructure. No, nah, man, they're, they're looting the, the treasury because they have the power to do so. So yeah. I, I have no faith in Republicans as well as, as Democrats, but clearly the Democrats, because they have the advantage right now, wow, are they milking it for all it's worth. And I don't, you know, can you trust people like Mitt Romney and um, uh, McCain, Megan McCain to stand up and, and say enough? I don't think so. Well, they're trying to pretend like they're standing up to say enough Biden well, right, right now, but I, I don't believe it's their true uh, opinions of their heart. Does that make sense? They're trying to rally the base. They're playing a role. I'm sorry. I sound so cynical, but I mean, we've seen it how many times? You know, it's, it's a big melodrama. The false narrative that they are pitching to the Republican base out there right now is just insane, but so many of them are buying it. This next question goes really back to our currency, what we're doing with all these stimulus checks. I mean, yeah, it's helping a lot of people get guns, but we're, we're technically bankrupting America. And people say, well, America can't go bankrupt. We can just print more money. <laughs> you don't understand the concept of going bankrupt. I can print monopoly money at my house. It's not going to pay my bills. And bills are coming due to Russia, to China, to the European Union. And, you know, America will not be, it's predicted now that America will lose its worldwide currency under Biden. Uh, so we don't have a whole lot of years before our dollar becomes useless. Now, World War II is when other nations started recognizing the American dollar was powerful. Everybody else was going through hyperinflation. They couldn't pay their troops. They couldn't support the war. America's was based on gold. So they started buying American dollars and paying their soldiers with American dollars. Uh, but people have questioned um, Ron Paul, uh, for one of the real staunch people, that the Fort Knox doesn't hold as much gold as there was. And, and back in 2010, I did a story about the person in charge of uh, auditing the gold or looking at the gold uh, made a statement that Germany requested their gold that they had put in Fort Knox for its protection back. And what they got was a bunch of lead loaded uh, counterfeit. And then all of a sudden the guy who reported that from the fed disappeared. Uh, they found his body months later. Uh, but I don't know if America really truly has any more gold or if the bankers like, you know, um, the people from uh, JP Morgan and Chase and Goldman Sachs, if, if they've, basically looted America's gold to pay back for the Federal Reserve. Uh, do you believe that, uh, because I believe it, but many Americans don't, that America can collapse and, and lose its financial strength and everything that, and, and the other interesting thing back in 2010 is China went to the courts of the UN and asked to secure their debt in America with government-owned land, building, military, everything else, and was awarded a victory in that case. So what do you think about America's currency debt? Do we have mm -hmm. gold? That's a big, I, I asked you a lot of questions there, but I know you can keep up with it. In my opinion, we are seeing an engineered demolition of the dollar. And, and I believe it's, it's because there's, there's something, a digital currency most likely, that is going to replace it, which will bring true absolute oversight to every dime you earn, every dime you spend. You know, I think that's, that's going to be another mechanism of control. And I understand to some people that sounds like total tinfoil hat time. I've been watching this for at least the last 25 years and paying pretty close attention. The dollar can't continue being the world's reserve currency. Like you talked about. I mean, that's been since what, 1945, when was the Bretton Woods agreement? It's been a long time. 1945. Yeah. So I mean, it wasn't intended to be permanent, 
but it just there there's immense power in in being able to coin money the um this uh, this is going to sound he's saying the international bankers behind this all let's just say that the the moneyed interests in this world some of them corporate some of them banking some of them just individuals with incredible wealth have a lot of influence and i think we would be naive not to think that they are um using that influence in ways that benefit them and benefit their cronies so you know i we're not going to spend our way into prosperity the, you know this is the, they're justifying well with all this spending we're going to have to have a bigger tax apparatus so we're going to beef up the irs and come after people and squeeze them for even more i just don't see this ending well i correct even when i make a mistake it was 1944 the bretton wood agreement and basically what that agreement was was to ensure economic stability and political peace um States agreed to cooperate to closely regulate the production of their currencies to maintain fixed exchange rates between countries and the aim of more easily uh, facilitating international trade. So it was when basically everybody agreed, we're going to buy into the American dollar as the world currency because it's the strongest currency right now. And, you know, one of the uh, Marxist planks, one of the Sal Alinsky's rules for radical is to tank an economy. You know, and we're doing that. And I, I love that you brought up this digital currency because there are so many digital currencies. I wish I would have bought uh, Bitcoin back in 2011, 12 when I started oh, talking yeah. about it because I'd be a multimillionaire <laughs> now and I could just retire to my own private compound. But I guess that's <laughs> not meant to happen for me. Not unlike you who's going to live in a compound somewhere. Not at all. <laughs> it's like, it's one of these things that we're in a situation where uh, the currency is being destroyed all these digital con- currencies are competing to see who can be the next thing. Uh, China's making their own digital currency. India's talking about making their own digital currency. Europe's talking about making their own digital currency and centralized banks. So I, I think we're on board with something right now. And I actually broke down and invested in some digital currency recently. So uh, it's one of those things that uh, America's in trouble. And we've been preaching this for I started in 2008 live on the radio and people told me I'm, I'm crazy and we might not get the dates right, but everything we've talked about year in, year out is happening now at such a rapid pace. Uh, so my next question, do you believe that who is in charge of the White House right now is really in charge of the White House? <laughs> this is a conspiracy theorist question uh, right here, Brian, and I want you I- to answer it. I think it's pretty clear for anybody who has watched Joe Biden over the last year or so that uh, this is not a man who is at the top of his game mentally, cognitively. He is he's obviously suffering, you know, decline. So I don't know who that puts in in charge. You know, I I can't even begin to guess who the players are. I know that presidents have a very sizable staff. There's a lot of people that go into running, you know, an administration. Um it would be interesting if we could have a little bit of transparency to see who's making those decisions. Cause you know, you, you can get the impression sometimes Joe is just a, a pen is put in his hand. Okay. Sign here, sir. Okay. And he's just, all right, now, now what <laughs> do I, do I sign another one? I mean, it's like, he doesn't even know what's being put in front of him. Yeah. It's, it's real crazy uh, what's going on. And so, uh, what do we do? How do we, you know, I'm trying to teach the Constitution. I know you've been trying to teach the Constitution. I'm trying to get people to understand where their liberties and freedoms come from. But honestly, you know, I, I was posed the question. I want to pose the same question to you, to you and see what your answer is. What liberties and freedoms do we still have? What, what do we have left, Brian? 
Freedom of conscience would be at the top of that list for me. Although you can see the pressure that's being brought. You know, if anybody has freedom of conscience and they say, I'm sorry, I can't accept this or I can't engage in that because that runs contrary to my morality. Um, you watch the, the attacks on traditional morality are going to ramp up. And it's not just going to be bake the cake, you know, or teach my kids, you know, this perversion or that perversion. Um, there's there's some very definite uh, attacks being being focused at the family. I'm, I guess I would I'd put it this way. There are institutions besides government, family, community, um, academia, church, business, media. There's six of them that aren't government. Anything we can do within those institutions to exert influence is, is not time wasted because those institutions are all the thing they have in common is none of them can use force to accomplish their goals. Government can. That's why it's kind of dominating all the rest of them right now. But I think we'll solve more problems by utilizing influence in those institutions rather than giving it all to government saying, here, you fix this. My answer to that question was, was slightly different because people ask me what liberties, freedoms do we have left? I tell them you have them all. My question to you is what liberties and freedoms are you willing to fight for to, uh, to make government recognize? Uh, because the, the, the point of liberty and freedom coming from God and being unalienable and in our Constitution means that nobody can take it away. So just because government says they took it away doesn't mean they had that authority to do. So if you recognize their authority, you've given up on your freedom that you still have. But what are you willing to fight for and claim? What are you willing to donate to the cause to defend? You know, that, that's, the, that's the question I want people to, to realize. What are you willing to sacrifice? Because we live in a world today where uh, people don't want to sacrifice. It, it, it's really hard to donate time, to donate money, to donate anything uh, to causes anymore. And, and, and that's and, sad. And We've forgotten that, that there's heavy lifting always accompanying liberty. If you want liberty, somebody's got to be willing to do the heavy lifting. And if you look back at the generations before us, like the founders and, and the, the World War II generation, they were willing to do it. But uh, we're pretty soft. We've, we've been riding on a lot of borrowed blessings, and we, we may have to become a little more rugged if we want to claim, use, and defend those freedoms. All right. Well, thank you. The real Brian Hyde, my good friend. Thanks for coming on today. It's amazing how fast time goes. It does. Uh, That's why I used to love my three-hour live show. But take care, Brian. Uh, Folks, liberty and freedom doesn't come free. There's a cost to everything. And you need to make sure you share shows like not just my show. If you, if you don't like my show, don't share my show. Obviously, it's not going to fit your profile. Family's going to get upset. But find a host on America Out Loud that you do support and share their stuff on Twitter, on Instagram, on Telegraph, on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, any, any form of social media. That's, that's the first step is getting the message out there, getting things to grow. But the next step is... Uh, make sure that you are having conversations and you are educated enough to have legitimate conversations with people without the arguments. Uh, conservatives need to stop arguing and, and moving the message of hate. Uh, we're falling into their traps. We're getting into arguments. We're calling people names. I see it on Facebook every day. It's not doing any good. Let them call you the names. Take it, swallow it, eat it. Uh, I don't care, folks. You need to be the more adult in the conversation. But you can only be the adult in the conversation if you're utilizing facts. Uh, the Constitution is the easy facts. Study the Enlightenment period, the uh, uh, Blackstone, uh, Locke, you know, the 
read those uh, Cicero, read all those writings, uh, Google the books that influence Jefferson and Adams and, and be involved in what's going on. Read the Anti-Federalist Papers. Learn who the Anti-Federalists are. Read the debates of the Constitutional Congress. Uh, learn about the topics and then have legitimate conversations that you can back up with fact and, and end the conversation if they start to get on and say, okay, well, here's the facts. Here's where I found it. Thank you. Have a nice day. God bless. Uh, because folks, I'm telling you, that's the most powerful thing we can do in the world is say, God bless. Have a nice day instead of resort to name calling. What do you think of that, Brian? I think that's a great approach. You're here. It's a great approach if we utilize it, folks, and it's it's all up to us. Everything's up to us. Uh, your freedom still exists. Embrace it. Love it. Defend it. Uh, stand up and, and find groups of 10, groups of 50, groups of 100. The founders found that in the Bible from the Anglo-Saxons. So, Get talking about this in your home. Then, then in, increase your group and increase your group and unite. It's easy to unite with me, Tim Alders at live.com. That's two A's, A-A-L-D-E-R-S. A good book to start is Origins of Liberty uh, because it traces liberty back to God. It walks the same steps that the founders walked to find liberty. And I think that's highly important. So until next time, folks, uh, truly God bless. Let's just get into it.